Morning, morning. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, Happy New Year. Say it with your... Oh, say a bit more meaningfully than that. That was a bit kind of... Yeah, there we go. Thank you. A bit more, bit more uh, excited than that. Well, here we go. Another year. And I tell you, this was... Uh, last year was quite... Uh, well, what was it? I don't know what it was. It was quite a year for us as a family, 2015. In fact, it was tomorrow that we realized, we were told by someone that they were going to defraud us of thousands and thousands of pounds. We then went into a major housing problem. We then went into a liver condition, which is still a bit of a mystery, but I think I'm better now. And then uh, a year of insomnia for me. It was quite a year. And uh, by the grace of God, by the help of our friends, by the prayers of all you guys and many others, we are still standing. <laughs> and uh, so I just want to thank you guys for standing with us. I, you know, I'm not sure who first said it, but it's true. Great faith comes from great fights, great testimony from great tests, and great triumphs from great trials. It's true, isn't it? Someone else said, you know, they said, I used to think that life was a series of trials followed by triumphs, followed by trials. And then he said, I realized that actually they both run on parallel tracks. <laughs> You've got trials and triumphs going on at the same time. Anyone else observe that? It's all going on at the same time. And in one area of your life, you're thinking, yes, Jesus is alive. And God is breaking in. Or another area of your life, you're thinking, no, <laughs> what went wrong? And, and you, we live in this reality that they're both on parallel tracks. And we've certainly seen that, that this year and, and through our lives, really. And it's been phenomenal for us. So many stories that we could tell as a church family over the last year. But one I think really stood out for me was about seven or eight years ago, we had a week where seven people opened their hearts to Jesus in one week. And it was a phenomenal week. And I remember it was through different ways and what, it was like random things happening. I remember one uh, lady, she was literally at home doing her gardening and the Spirit of God just came on her and she's like, I need to give my life to Christ. And so she phoned the church offices and said, how do I become a Christian? I mean, it just doesn't, it just didn't happen. And they said, well, uh, you, well, you could come on Sunday. And she said, I can't wait till Sunday. I need to meet with someone now. So she came into the offices that week to pray with someone and give her life to Christ. And it was just this weird kind of week where I was like, this is just not normal in the UK. And God really spoke to me and said, Simon, pray for the abnormal to become normal. And we really committed ourselves, because that's what it says in the scriptures about the, the church. It said daily people were being added who were giving their lives to Christ. That, that is normal right there. What we've known in this nation has not been normal, but there is a new normal. Well, we had a week this year where 42 people opened their hearts to Jesus Woo! in a week. 42 people. And it was from Alpha and on the streets and all over the place. People were being asked the question, do you want to open your life to receive Christ, to open your heart to receive Christ? And they were saying, yes, I do. Now, the cynics would say, well, how many of those became actual proper disciples? Well, I don't know at the moment. But you could say that of the crowds who heard Jesus and responded to him. The reality is we were not in a season where we were seeing 42 people open their hearts to Jesus in a week. We didn't see, even see that in a year. A quarter of that in a year uh, 10 years ago. But God is doing something new in the nations. In fact, I think this year, I was asking Steve in the, in the meeting, I think we saw three or four people baptized who we met for the first time this year on the streets. Literally a conversation on the streets, right the way through to being baptized and now part of our community. That is unprecedented. So in the middle of trials, there is these huge triumphs where we see God is doing something new in the nations. And 
We haven't got long this morning because we want to just give time to let God speak to us prophetically. Um, but just to start this year, we're carrying this series on in our series called Simplify. And I wrote half a message and it wasn't sitting right, so I changed it. And I felt God speak to me about this. He said, Simon, start this year by talking about life in the Spirit. Life in the Spirit. If simplify means you're going to get the important things right, there's not much more important than living life in the Spirit. So much of this might be a reminder for some of you. For some, you're perhaps just your first time here. It might be fresh stuff. But this may be just a reminder for us all that this life that we are living, this year that we are called to, is a year filled with the Holy Spirit. It's life in the Spirit. And, you know, I uh, have seen this in so many seasons of my life. The most important thing, whether it's a trial or a triumph, whether it's a year of of breakthrough or a year of hardship, whether it's a year of new things and adventures or a year of just being faithful with the old things, there is nothing like doing it filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what makes the difference. And I want to tell you a story of one of the most famous journeys. You might not have heard the details of this story, but actually this journey changed the known world. It, It changed everything. You would not be sitting here today if it were not for this journey. Because the church was pretty much trapped in a very small area of the world. The message of Jesus had affected a few people, but they were kind of massively persecuted. They were kind of hiding out. And then the Holy Spirit said, there's these two guys, Paul and Barnabas. Set them apart for me, because I've got a job for them to do. And so Paul and Barnabas were like, okay, and the church prayed for them and then sent them off. And that was the first commissioning, really, by a church of apostles, of two apostles to go out and take this gospel. And so you read about their story in Acts 14, and what happened was that I guess they thought, I don't know where we go, so they thought, well, let's go to Cyprus. That's where Barnabas was from, so that's where they went first. They headed over there, and it was quite uh, fruitful, and then they went to a Roman district called Galatia. Now, Galatia is part of modern-day Turkey, and on this journey, as they were going around, there were basically four major cities, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Derby. That's not the home of Derby County, sadly. Sorry, Steve. Uh, but there was these four... <laughs> there was a boo there. There, was a four, <laughs> there were these four major cities, and so I guess they thought, well, let's head to the major cities. And so first they went to Antioch, and... You know, Antioch, they had some great success. They told people about Jesus. People had never heard about Jesus, and people responded. But then the leaders of the city thought, hang on a minute, we're losing control of the people, we're losing power, so they got annoyed, and they threw them out of the city. So then they moved on to Iconium, and when they got there, they led many people to Jesus, but unfortunately, the leaders of the city were not happy and got them stoned. I'm not talking about in the rave sense. I'm talking about in the literal throwing of rocks sense. They chucked rocks at them, and so Paul and Barnabas fled to the next city. And when they got there, they got to a place called Lystra. Now, in Lystra, there was a guy there who was lame from birth. Literally, he had never, ever walked. He was 40, and his feet were disabled in some way. We don't know how, but he had never walked. Well, as Paul is preaching the message about Jesus, he looks at this guy, and I've seen this happen in a similar way myself. He looks at this guy, and he just saw faith in this guy. I don't know what, quite what that looked like, but I've seen similar things where I've been speaking, and I think faith has just hit you, and, and, and you need something, and faith has just entered your life, and you can see it in people's eyes. Well, I think Paul saw something like that. He looks at this guy, he saw faith in this guy to be healed, and so he says to the guy, get up. And what happens? 
the guy gets up in the middle of the sermon. He had never, ever walked before. 40 years old, he's walking around. Well, the people went absolutely crazy. They said, the gods have walked amongst us. These people are gods. And they started to worship Paul and Barnabas. Well, Paul and Barnabas were like, no. And they started tearing their clothes. Because in those days, that's what you did when you got annoyed. I don't know why. I mean, why do that? I don't know. So anyway, they tore their clothes and said, no, we're just men like you. Worship Jesus. Well, then what happened was the people, the leaders from the previous story, the cities who got them stoned, not in the rave sense, in the, they turned up as well at Lystra, and they started throwing rocks again, because I guess that's what you did then, I don't know. But they started stoning. In fact, Paul was stoned and threw thrown rocks at until they thought he was dead. Outside the city, the disciples gathered around him, I guess thinking he was dead, prayed for him, and then he gets up. So he gets up, and then they decide, I think we'd better hop it. So then they moved on to, to Derby, not the home of Derby County. And there they preached the gospel, and many people gave their lives to Christ. And then they decided to keep their heads down, but to go back through all those four cities and come back to home, and they were home in time for tea. <laughs> it was about a year, actually. They didn't make it home in time for tea. <laughs> but you might not have heard that journey before, but that journey changed the known world. That journey was the first missionary journey that Paul went on. He went on three. And this impact on Galatia changed the history of the planet. That one-year journey. And we have a letter from Paul, the Galatians, where he writes about his journey and writes to the churches. And, you know, the message that he carried was simply this. He tells us about it. Jesus was God's son. He died on a cross. He rose from the dead so that you can have eternal life and forgiveness for your sins. That's a great message right there. But he also said this. It's not just pie in the sky when you die. It's steak on the plate while you wait. Because as a dip, we didn't use those words, but as a, dip, as a deposit so that you may know this is true, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit now. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can live a Spirit-filled life. And, and really, he sums it up in three words. Jesus has opened a door to a life through the Spirit's presence, his produce, and his power. Your choice is, will you walk through that door? That's the choice he offered to people. They saw this guy, these two guys, who were unlike anyone else they'd ever met before. And it was the three words that defined them. The Spirit's presence, the Spirit's produce, the Spirit's power. Let's just look at them very quickly. Galatians 4 Verse 4, Paul writes back to his churches there and he says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent his spirit into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. This was the radical message. You can live a new life filled with the Spirit's presence. You're not on your own anymore. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I am not alone, and no matter what happens to you this year or any point in your life, once you receive the message of Christ, you are never alone again. Because of the Spirit's presence in your life, you've been adop adopted as a son. Wow, he is with you. And Jesus said to his disciples, I'm leaving you, but there is one who is coming who will never leave you. I will be with him in you. I am in you. I will never leave you or forsake you. No matter what you face, I don't know what you're going to face this year. You don't know what you're going to face this year, but I tell you this, you're not going to face it alone <laughs> because the Holy Spirit is with you and in you. And you can be filled with his presence. 
and you have been adopted. And then, secondly, the anointing of a presence. You know, the anointing makes the difference. The anointing changes the normal and the ordinary into the extraordinary. You can know the anointing. I had a, had a, a week in the, I think it was two years ago, where I had two meetings. One with, with people that I, I thought, well, let's, call, let's call them the tough crowd. It wasn't you guys. Well, let's call them the tough crowd. I wasn't sure they wanted to hear me speak. I wasn't sure they were too keen on me, and I, it was a tough crowd. And then I had another meeting with people I knew and I loved, and I, I thought it was going to be great. Well, I went into the week. The tough crowd was phenomenal. I mean, God, just people getting set free and crying and laughing and their lives were changed. I mean, it was just an amazing, amazing moment. But then the second meeting, the, the, the nice people, that, 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 it was just different. It was okay, but it wasn't anything special. I got to the end of the week, I was like, what on earth was that about? That was so different to what I expected. Anyone ever had that? It's so different to what I expected. And I was praying about it. That Saturday, I was out with a walk with some friends. And one of the ladies said, what, what were you doing on Tuesday? And I said, well, I And I said, oh, I was with this, this meeting. I said, actually, it was amazing. It was very different to what I expected. She said, I was up all night, Monday night, praying for you. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. It's the anointing. It's the anointing. She was praying, God, anoint him tomorrow. And he did. Same messages, same things. You know, you can go into the same workplace, into the same school, even into the same home, but you go in with the anointing and it changes everything. The presence of Jesus on us and his guidance and his comfort. This is Paul's message. You can have the presence of the Spirit. That's what I've got. That's what you can have. And then the produce, or also known as the fruit, Galatians 5.16, but I say walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. Those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. The, work, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, I warned you when I was with you, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Quite stern with them, isn't it? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against these things there is no law. When you put it like that, you see there's two lives on offer. One is filled with the fruit of the flesh, of all that junk that we so easily slip into and one is saying do you want to get filled with the fruit of the Spirit? But notice the words he uses. The, the Greeks of Paul's day would talk about the virtues. They, they understood what made up good people. They understood that good people had good virtues and they understood that and they talked about people's virtues and Paul could have easily said the Christian virtues are love, joy, peace. These are the things you should inspire to be, but he doesn't use that word. Why? Because it's not our fruit. It's not our virtue. It's his virtue in us. There's no apple tree this year worried about whether it's going to produce apples or not. It's just an apple tree, and if it's in good soil, and it receives enough water and enough sun, it's going to produce fruit. So as you enter 2016, the only question is, what kind of fruit do you want to produce? 
And where is your source? That's my question. This year has been about patience. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Simon, I'm going to develop in you patience. And I said, right, I've got it, Lord, let's move on. <laughs> Sometimes the journey that you go through is about the fruit that you're producing. You can't produce patience quickly. I've learned that. I'd like to download patience. You can't. How do you produce gentleness? Sometimes it's been in a harsh environment that makes you want to fight people. But the Spirit says, I'm producing gentleness. How do you produce kindness? Sometimes it's by being in an environment where you are surrounded by a complete lack of kindness. Some of you were brought up in environments like that. And you can either rail against that, or you can be like a tree and say, Holy Spirit, I don't want to be like that. I want to produce the fruit of kindness. How do you produce the fruit of the Spirit? You rest in the Spirit, and you focus on the fruit that you want to produce. And you say, God, will you come and do it in me? It's his fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's always his fruit. It remains his fruit. He just flows it through you and me. Take a moment in 2016 to think, okay, out of that list, joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, how am I going to produce? Which one of those do I want to produce? Holy Spirit, which one of those do you want to produce in me? He is producing fruit. And lastly, power. We read, we, I told it in the story, Acts 14, now at Lystra there's a man sitting, he couldn't use his feet, he was crippled from birth, he'd never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet, and he sprang up and began walking. Jesus has opened a door, this was Paul's message, to a life filled with natural and supernatural gifts. And here's a model right here. Here's an example. This was the point when they realized these guys are not just speaking words. They are speaking something that is powerful. And it's available to each one of us. And you see it right the way through the scriptures. Supernatural languages, healing, wisdom, leadership, administration, spiritual, supernatural, and spiritual, natural gifts. But they're all the gifts. They're all the power of the Spirit. Whatever you face this year... Face it with the gifts of the Spirit. That's what it says in Corinthians. Let love be your highest goal, but also desire special abilities that the Spirit only can give. What gifts are you going to grow in this year? You know it's available for each one of us. What life is he going to express that shows the world there's something different? There's something different. I've been amazed to see people starting businesses and in their workplaces and people coming to them this year. Number, I've talked to three, four people who've said the same thing. People have said to me, what is different about you? It's the Spirit. It's the life of the Spirit. Uh, we, we've seen it even in the earliest, the young. You might just think, I've only just become a believer soon. Listen, it doesn't matter. How, this is not about your spiritual maturity. God gives gifts liberally. I wasn't looking at my kids at Christmas and saying, mm, let's see who's the mature, I'll give you the biggest gift. It doesn't work like that. He gives his gifts liberally, not based on what you have earned or how mature you are, but the fact that you're his child. That's how Christmas works. Should work. 
We had a little story last year, I think it was, and I was doing a little ministry time, and I normally like to model for people how to pray for the sick, because there's a lot of mumbo-jumbo out there, and there's a lot of shaking and shabbering and all sorts of stuff, and I just like, okay, let's just make this sane and normal, because we don't want to put people off while they're getting healed. So I modeled, so I, I normally just pick out, so I'll come, come here and be a volunteer, and the Holy Spirit, as I was about to pick someone out, just, just to be a kind of a, a person to be prayed for, said, oh, it's a bit boring. Pick someone who's really sick. So I was like, okay, so I've got out someone. I said, okay, I think there's someone here with an ankle problem. Will you come out? There was someone that came out. So then I got one of the team to come and pray, and the Holy Spirit said, is it boring? Pick someone who's never done it before. I was like, to do it live in front of everyone. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a bit more fun. See, the Holy Spirit loves adventure. He loves adventure. We don't like it. We like the safe. Anyone like the safe? Give me the safe. He likes adventure. So I picked so this person. I said, anyone here a new Christian? You've never prayed for the sick before yet. So there were actually loads of them. But anyway, somebody came out. So I said, okay, what you do is you, you put your hand on it and you speak to the condition. Don't have to pray a long prayer, just modeling. She's like, okay, puts her hand on it, speaks to the ankle. And normally what I'm about to do is, because often healing happens gradually. See, so I'm modeling to them that you pray again. And people sometimes like to pray once and they think, oh, well, he hasn't done it. So no, no, pray again. So I say to her, well, okay, get ready to pray, pray again. I say, how are you doing? She said, oh, yeah, my pain is completely gone in my ankle. <laughs> She said I, I said, I said, what, how long have you had it? She said, oh, years, years, it's been terrible, but I had terrible pain. She said, but no, it's completely gone, I'm, it's fine. I said, it's really ruined the illustration. The whole thing is just, so it's like, oh, you better go and sit down then. Uh, <laughs> but that's the Holy Spirit. Because he loves to pour out his gifts. He is not reluctant. It's not like, God, you've got to give. No, no, no. Just receive the gifts of the Spirit. Let them flow through you. Let them flow, flow through you. Your parents, what kids are you? What gifts are your kids growing in this year? What spiritual gifts are they going to excel in? Let love, of course, be our highest goal, but eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. That's what sets us apart. Jesus is opening a door to a year filled with the Spirit's presence, his, his produce, and his power. The only question is, are we going to walk through it? Are we going to walk through it? Is it going to affect our workplaces, our streets, our homes? Come, Holy Spirit. You know, every day, whether I'm doing something incredibly complicated and, and, uh, and big or something that's just a small, normal day, every day, thank you, Steve, sorry about that pen, you're dead. Uh, every day, I try to pray, come, Holy Spirit. I try to pray, Holy Spirit, I can't do this without you. Even if it's something I've done loads of times before, I can't do this. Because I've learned, as soon as you get into the stuff that you can do, as soon as you get into human effort, you've missed it. You go off in stuff. And if what happens is the stuff that you thought you could do, you suddenly realize you can no longer do because you were doing it by the Spirit's power all along. Come, Holy Spirit. And Paul finishes with this little warning, a final warning to the Galatians. Galatians 3. Oh, foolish Galatians. Who has cast an evil spell on you since I was with you? For the meaning of Christ Jesus' death was made clear to you as if you'd seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this question. Did you receive the Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting the Christian life in the Spirit, why are you trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it wasn't in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you his Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. 
The problem was this, that Paul's message had gone out, but other people, other teachers had come in and said, you know what, you, you Gentiles, it's not really enough for you just to believe in Christ. You also need to believe these works. You also need to do what Moses told us to do. You need to follow these laws. And Paul's like, no, you were never Jews. Why start being Jews now? You came to faith in Christ alone. And you receive the Spirit through Christ, faith in Christ alone. Now, I doubt any of you in 2015 were thinking, do you know what, I'm not sure I fulfilled the law of Moses enough. <laughs> do you know what, I'm really worried. You know, you've come to PJ and said, PJ, I'm really worried about the law of Moses. I'm not sure I've done enough of the law of Moses. You know, there's the whole bacon thing. and <laughs> Kind of like shellfish. And I wear mixed clothing, you know, different fibers. And... What should I do? What should I do? I doubt any of you are worried about that. I doubt any of you are having that question. What about some of you are thinking, am I good enough for God? Do I belong? Have I prayed enough? Have I read the Bible enough? What about that area of my life I just can't seem to be? What about this relationship that's strained? Have I got what it takes this year? Listen, the message of the gospel is this. If you receive the Spirit by doing all that stuff, not that that stuff isn't important, but did you receive the Spirit by doing all that stuff? Or did you first receive the Spirit to enable you to do all that stuff? Come, Holy Spirit, onto our weak and fallible lives and fill us with your presence, and fill us with your produce, and fill us with your power. And we will have a great year, no matter what it looks like, no matter what comes, no matter what challenges we face, we will have a great year. If we get filled with the Holy Spirit, and remain filled with the Holy Spirit, and live a life, a daily life, not by effort, but by saying, Holy Spirit, I can't do it without you. Holy Spirit, I can't face it without you. Holy Spirit, I've not got what it takes without you, but with you I can change the world. And the people who live like that really do change the world. Paul changed the world with one life, one year of his life on a journey and he ended up almost dead on one part of it. Yet he got up and he carried on and he bore much, much fruit. Let's live like that this year. Amen.